You're listening to the Precision Shooting Podcast. Discussing all aspects of precision and long-range rifle shooting. This episode is brought to you by Projectile Warehouse. Find your perfect projectile. And now, over to your hosts. Well, hello and welcome to the Precision Shooting Podcast. This is episode 19, but it's basically just a continuation on from... Uh, episode 18. So uh, my name's Rusty and in this chat uh, we also have Greg and Andrew uh, who are regulars and also a guest uh, Simon who was a stage officer at the Southern Shooters Precision Rifle Invitational. Uh, We're going to pick up the conversation where we left off which was just about to get into another uh, one of the stages with just two to go and then we'll talk a bit about the equipment and Victorian Practical Rifle Series that we're going to head over there uh, in August and and also that we've got some prizes to give away uh, right at the end of the episode. So without any further ado, this is part two of the Precision Rifle Invitational uh, Recap. Enjoy. So the next stage, I think, guys, was uh, your stage, uh, Greg and Tom. Yeah, shoot, don't shoot. So yep, that's the one. How that worked was basically fixed prone position and you had to engage a 1K bullseye gong at 728 metres. Yep. And you score. What's, what's a bullseye gong? Yeah, so basically it's a one it's a one k gong, so that's two two mi yep. at a k, um, and then what's the size of the red center? It's a half. Uh, no, less. 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 It's, it's actually one mi at six hundred. So it's about approximately six a six inch. Yep. You know, yep. yeah. So it's yep. a small. six inch cut out of a rough, roughly a twenty inch target. Yeah. So they got if they hit center, they um, they got two points. If they hit the outside, the white outer, they got one point. They fired five shots at that at 728 metres and then they had to shift to 588 metres and they had a target, a 1K gong again with a... 500 metre gong, yeah, 500, 2MA gong. Yep, obscuring. 500 metre 2MA gong, obscuring that target. And what they had to do is shoot the target behind that without hitting... It was coloured green, Yep. the obscure, the one that was obscuring. And if you hit the green, you wiped all your points and your team points... Yeah, so wow. it was very much a a risk. You got, and if you hit that, you got an extra five points. Yeah, okay. So you got a lot of score for it, but there was a lot of risk involved to both you and your team. Yeah. So it's basically a ten inch plate covering a twenty inch plate. So you you, you end up with half the amount of area, but it's obviously yeah. round two round plates. So you end up with a, an unusual sort of pattern to shoot onto. Yeah, and and I think you're a pretty um, you're a mean bugger, Rusty, because that. <laughs> 728, where you placed that 728, there was a big like bit of dead ground before the 728, and yep. there was dead ground after. Yep. And what we were seeing through the spotting scope was no ground strike at all. So guys were missing the target, and we were seeing nothing. And Because yep. um, you know, their partner was allowed to um, spot, but yep. we got a lot of um, you know nothing seen calls. So guys were a bit lost on that seven. Some guys, other guys were striking it quite easily. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, very tricky uh, target placement, and of course that dead ground had this huge uh, pocket of wind going through it. So out to five eighty eight ish, sort of, it was a fairly mild sort of two mile an hour wind, and then when it dropped down, the wind just was just shooting through there. Just yeah, coming through that gully. Yeah, so it was a really tricky wind profile out to seven twenty eight. And limited feedback from your fuller shot. Mm. Um, so we saw a lot of that, didn't we? Simon? We did, we did. And there was some really interesting sort of trace from the rounds through the spotting scope as well, because that dead ground in the gully, 
you know, it was just, you could just see it pulling the bullets off course. So it was really interesting. Yeah, wow. yeah. So there's a lot of timing. The guys were sort of, you know, they were just waiting, trying to wait for a lull and then let them go. I mean, the bigger calibers, it wasn't uh, such a, an ordeal. 300 wind mags went very well on that stage. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but the, yeah, the lighter calibers, um, it was, it was quite challenging and, and then, yeah, like I say, no, not a lot of feedback at all, yeah. unless they were really close and we could see it falling just, you know, below the gong or yep. just behind. It was really challenging for a lot mm. of the boys, yeah. But yeah. there was there was a nice um, mirage profile, so you could roll through your parallax and actually see a fairly nice mirage profile yep. to, to just try and profile the wind. But, um, yeah, we saw a few strategies. We saw guys wipe on the 728, not get a single hit, yep. and then go, oh, bugger it. I'm going to hit that 588 and hit it and get five points. So they saved, yeah, right. saved their okay. – um, that was actually um, – what was the guy that came second? Bronte. Bronte. Bronte yeah. did that and saved yeah, the – Yeah, right. You know, and, and saved it. Saved it. And then we had um, – uh, who, who had the big massive – Steve. Steve. Yeah, and I, yeah I, Steve shot beautifully on yep. the first target. Absolutely beautifully. And I would have done exactly what he did, had a go at it. Yep. Because he – he grouped and just crept straight into the centre and just tagged the centre. Yep. And then flicked to the... Um, the no-shoot target. The, the no-shoot the target. Shoot, and no he shoot. just tagged dead centre of the green. Yeah. And, and just wiped his score. And, and I just want him to know, because I've done the numbers today, that that would have bumped his team up two positions. Yeah. Yeah, just so he knows. So, so yep. what you're really saying is he let his team down on he that one. His, <laughs> he let his team down immensely on that one. So, um yeah. So I hope he's playing this out loud in his workshop. That would be right. Yeah. yeah. But that was another one where we had a lot of trouble seeing the seeing the uh, impacts on the long long uh, gong as well with yep. the lighter cows. We could barely see yeah. it, you know. So yeah. So um, but that's where we love the thre- the three uh, hundreds because they, they were, boom yeah. things <laughs> flying and flapping <laughs> yeah, around. It's like the, yeah, impact. The lighter yeah. ones, you only really saw a little bit of splatter on the ground. You didn't actually yeah. see the gong strike mm-hmm. that well. And interesting enough, though, that the guy, I believe, I'll check in a moment, but the guy who who maxed out on that stage got the highest points was a 2D3. Was that? Oh, I think you're right. Yeah. Um, no. the, the only 2D3 that was there. Ho- hold on, feel for me, because I'll, I'll look it up. Um, or was he using I'm his not sure. teammates? I, I think he, r- I th- rifle. Yeah, I think he borrowed a rifle for that one. Ah, right. I was a bit mm. surprised by the name. Yeah, because the yeah. two four three struggled. I know Bronte struggled with the yep. the the seven twenty eight, um, especially with the no feedback. Yep. And yeah, the lighter cows struggled there. The three three eight stood out. Yeah, I, th- I think three hundred stood out. I think yeah. the the lighter calibers would have done better if they'd been set up for it. I mean, yeah. I know uh, Bronte. You know, the guy that got second overall. He was only he was using eighty seven grain V maxes. Yeah. Uh, listen, uh, we should was... we should clarify that he got equal first overall. Yes, he, he lost no, out on there one was, stage. There was one stage which was the decider stage, which ended up him placing second. Yeah, but realistically, to be fair, he he was overall equal first. No, he did yeah. very very well. So I mean, you consider that he was using less than ideal projectile yeah. setup. Mm. I mean, had he been mm. using one oh fives, yeah, something no, like I that, smashed it in, blitzed the competition. No. <laughs> <laughs> But, but, I mean, I guess that uh, what it does show is that the whole shoot, really, I mean, equipment plays a, a part in it. You know, if you yeah. have something that's unsuitable, then yep. you're not going to mm. succeed. But yep. the vast majority of the, the uh, you know, sort of information that leads to your standing at the end is, is your mm. ability. Yeah. Well, you know, he obviously shot really well. We'll, yep. cu- we'll cover that off, yeah, in, in a moment. But um, 
the the last stage, moving on from that one, was descent, and and from the feedback I got, this was probably one of the the most popular stages, um, which was which was great because it, when when putting it all together, it was going to either be the worst stage or the best stage mm. or one of the best stages, and so the the guys would would uh, it was a team event, but also run individually. The guys would start at uh, at a top of a, a hill. And they would shoot their first target about 400 metres and shoot it from prone position. And they would uh, then pick up their rifle and move to the next position, which was a like a mock tree, because the trees around that particular area were pretty rubbish, um, uh, that Andrew built. And so they would take a shot from there about 280 metres uh, on a, what it's called a popper target, uh, and then take that shot then move descend down the hill a bit further uh, come into another position where they'd take a a kneeling shot uh, at about 130 meters onto a a metal rabbit descend down further again move across the this the the face of the hill uh, and shoot from a standing position again about 130 meter uh, shot um, on a gong and then move down to the last position which was uh, a side prone position um, out to about 360 metres. So when you say side prone, you mean your body was at 90 degrees to the target rather than Correct. lying on your side? Correct, yeah. So you, you were off to, to the side rather than lying behind the gun, you were off on the, the full angle to the gun, uh, which which certainly threw a few guys. Um, and then the first shooter of the team at that point would pick up their gun and have to leg it as quickly as they could back up the hill, uh, which would have been probably about a... Oh, I don't know, maybe a seventy metre run. Um in thick soft sand. Yeah, in very uphill. soft sand. And, and uphill and at a significant angle as well. Get up to the top, touch a particular post, and then the second team person, uh team member would be able to engage the exact same run, but the team would the the, the stage would end after their last shot at the bottom. The the interesting one with this particular stage, apart from all the movement involved, uh was that their Individual score was based on how many hits they obtained and, and nothing more, nothing about mm-hmm. time. But their team score was a combination of their entire their, their entire timing mm-hmm. um, and nothing to do with how many hits they got. So some teams played the team game and missed everything by virtually just firing into the dirt and running as quick as they humanly possibly could. And, mm. and uh, others would, would play the individual game a little bit more. Uh, or one member of the team would play the t- the individual game because they had a bit to, you know, a bit on the line, whereas the mm. other member of the team would run it as fast as they possibly could. Mm. Um, and I know that the team that actually did it completely, purely as uh, intending to, to miss everything and run as fast as they could, they smashed the time by like a, a nearly a minute and a half compared to the next team behind them. So they did very, very well. Um, yeah, and it was, it, we got a lot of feedback from that. And fortunately, no one, no one busted an ankle or did anything like that, which was mm-hmm. great. Um, but they, uh, yeah, it was, it was an exciting stage, a lot of movement. And, and I remember guys arriving, because I did hang around that stage a little bit, particularly I did the first, um, the first brief on that um, to make sure it would all work. And mm. the guys rocked up saying, this is going to suck. This is the worst stage. I hate it because there was so much running and movement involved. By the time they finished it, they loved it. They were pumped. They were excited. Mm. Usually the uh, second member of the team that didn't have to sprint up the hill probably was a bit more happy about it. No, they still had to get up the top of the hill. Yeah, they just didn't have to do it under pressure. (laughs) Yeah, well, um, I seem to remember you were only doing it if you could have a car down the bottom waiting for you. Or a helicopter. (laughs) (laughs) 
that's stupid. <laughs> yeah, no, it was uh, that was uh, an interesting stage, a good stage. Yeah. Mm. So it was uh, certainly uh, uh, involved a lot of movement. Yeah. Very good. So we um, that's I think all twelve, and then we mm. had a bit of a team shoot, and that was amusing because no one could hear anything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the the, the guys. Um, congratulations to the guys who who uh, placed well. Actually, congratulations to everyone because it was it was a pleasure dealing with everyone there. They were they mm. were just decent blokes, and uh, it was there to make it make it better rather than sort of yeah. pick it apart, which is good. And for, the, for me, the standout was you know that whole sort of shooting community thing, and you know everyone mm. just with such a positive attitude towards the competition, and and. You know, everyone's sort of going out of their way to meet each other and give advice, and especially on the Saturday night, you know, that was pretty big. And yeah, just, you know, just, guys standing around the, you know, the, the fire, never met each other prior to that day, and you wouldn't know it. Yeah. Um, yeah just, no, you wouldn't, would you? Yeah, it was a really good good, uh, good environment. Mm. And, you know, the, the fact that we had a, a good number of interstate shooters come down, I yeah, think, you know, right. they showed a, a, a fair bit of faith, I guess, in that it was going to be a good shoot, and... and yep. You know, certainly feedback I got was uh, guys were saying, you know, you can't just run one of these a year. You've got to run three yeah. or four. <laughs> yep. And these are guys that are travelling 3,000 kilometres yeah, to shoot. So so. We, yeah, we had guys from what, Tasmania. NT. NT, Victoria. And New Sydney. South Wales. And New yeah. South. And New yeah. South, yeah. yeah. So that, that's impressive that they, they made that effort to come across and, yeah, and no, have was, a go, you know. It was uh, it was good. And, and I think you're right. I think... Um, even and you guys saw saw more than I did, but in the squad, so the, the guys were were in teams of two, but then there would be three teams in a squad, mm. and they'd move around, so they had no advantage to help each other. In fact, probably disadvantage to help each other. Mm. But from what I saw, they were giving each other wind calls and advice and technique yep. ideas. Yep, that's what I saw. So I saw know. I saw competitiveness, but not. Uh not bad sort of sportsmanship or, or you know, sort of standoffishness. Yeah, so everybody that shot I saw was a decent bloke. Yep. Yep. Yeah, they were competitive. There was no no doubt about that. Oh yeah, mm. yeah. But there was there was no. Uh, they were friendly and competitive. Well, even the guys that were you know finished at the top. Yeah, they were you know top guys, just like the guys that finished at the bottom. There was no sort of like no. Uh, snobby. No, it didn't I'm better matter. than you kind of stuff. It was yeah. Didn't really matter good. where you finished either. I think no one sort of decided not to talk any to anyone or anything like that. It was just all yeah. just And I think everyone just walked away with a good genuine buzz, you know, from the weekend. Good genuine positive buzz, ready for the next one, you know? Mm. Mm. Absolutely. So congratulations to Matt and Bronte who finished equal first, but we had one stage which was the uh the decider in terms of um if it ended up as a draw, which we thought was mm. highly unlikely, but if it did, we would go back to the scores from that particular stage, which was levels, which was the yeah. one you guys ran. And then from there if the scores were the same, we'd go to the time mm. on it. And that actually dictated a couple of couple of places um that we'd fi- we we've changed since the the weekend. Um, to actually clarify who came where, but yeah, the, mm. um, Matt and Bronte shot sensationally well and and ended up on uh, on the scores they did at forty seven points and uh, and then in third uh, behind them uh, was uh, George from Tassie uh, and then yep. Nick who obviously he he came fourth so he didn't quite get the the mention that mm. he, he would have but he he was. Oh, I guess the dark horse in yeah, some ways. Yeah, the quiet achiever. Yeah. I think it's worth mentioning, given that his mm. uh, equipment was, was yeah, really not ideally set up. Um, obviously, he knows how to handle that rifle, but it was not, mm. not the ideal configuration for the shoot. And he obviously, he knew that. It was just, it was a bit last minute for him, I think. And um, 
I think all things considered, he did extremely well. Yeah, mm. yeah, very, very cool under pressure. You know, I think mm. think had he been shooting something a little more, yeah, physically well suited to the comp, mm. I think he would have been It'd be dangerous. Yeah, 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 so. absolutely. And then in the team stakes, um, it was it was actually really good to see um, uh, Nick, who we just mentioned, and uh, George um, came first, and, and they'd never met each other until that Saturday morning. Yeah, um, they're just both really decent blokes. Yes, and and just really. I, I, you guys would have seen it more than, than I did with their teamwork side mm. of things, but mm. they just uh, they just were really good quality guys. Mm. And then from there, Matt and um, uh, Matt and Greg came in second. Yep. And they didn't they they um, what's well, fair to say that they didn't place significantly well in the individual standings, mm. but they just uh, just in a, as a team setting they they killed it. Yeah. 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 Um, and yeah, anyway, I was, I was, I was really, um, slightly surprised, but thoroughly impressed and, and really happy for those guys that they came in second because, uh, yeah, as I said, individually, they didn't perform amazingly well, but mm. obviously put them together and on those stages, they did well. Especially mm. considering, I think it was Matt, wasn't it? Uh, Rusty that had a few issues, equipment issues. Oh, the poor guy. Yeah. Oh, I think I yes. Did. Rifle issue, then a scope issue. And then he ripped his pants on the last day. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So, he had it all hanging out, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not not, uh, yeah, not quite. <laughs> I think it was on your stage, Greg. So I'll leave that one to you. Um, I'm not sure, but anyway, we uh, we just seemed that decided that wasn't a, was a safety no, issue. No rules against that. <laughs> I guess. Uh, yeah. No, no issue. And um, and then Jared and Bronte. Um, so Bronte did well in the teams in, in fourth anyway with Jared from the Vic, uh, Practical Rifle mm. series as uh, as well. Um, coming in fourth, which was, uh, yeah, it was good. It was good all around. And some of the guys, uh, some of the guys looked fantastic dressed up for the event. And yeah, it was, yeah, uh, you had matching uniforms on a, a couple fun. of teams, which was, uh, oh, I was effort. impressed. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, it's no. Good shoot. It's good. Good to see the guys take it seriously. So I guess we, we've got some stuff in front of us, which talks a little bit about the equipment that was used. Um, and, Look, the the data from this, obviously, you know, the the Precision Rifle blog have been sort of capturing the data from PRS for five years. And um, the data over there actually means a a reasonable amount because the the series has become fairly significant and guys have bought, bought and sponsored gear, particularly for that style of event. And and what's happened, I guess, here is guys have used what they've got um, more so than actually... um, Using information, are you using stuff that's bought specifically for the shoot? Um, mm. I know guys have since thought about tweaking their setups or changing their setups or adjusting their their equipment to to match the style of shooting that this type of shoot is, um, and perhaps some of uh, there's 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 elements that would be useful for that, but there's also mm. a matter of fact of, you know, it's first time around, you, you may not change everything. You want to tweak around what you think uh, or where you want to head towards over mm. a few years. What I think is is probably of, of note, Rusty, is that uh, you know, in previous podcasts we've discussed Greg's um, up-and-coming build, Yeah, which I think not that it was necessarily reflected in, in this competition, but certainly in the, you know, the PRS was... In the, in the United States was a big part of his uh, sort of research yep. into this. I I would imagine that in following years we we will see that trend. I would imagine anyway, to a fair degree. Yeah, uh, you'd expect to, wouldn't you? Um, but I guess we, we'll see we'll see what happens because mm. um, 
it may just take a different path. It, it may take the same yeah. path. It may take a different path. I don't know. Mm. You're actually getting your six by forty-seven built now, aren't it's, you, Greg? It's actually, yeah. It's in. It's in with the gunsmith now. So, yeah. Hopefully, in the next podcast or two, I'll be able to report that done. Yeah, so, brilliant. And then you can wait, you know, a couple of weeks for dyes. Oh God. Yeah. So <laughs> dyes have been the long pole in the tent. I never thought that'd be the case. I thought it'd be produce here in Australia. We have a lot of trouble with burger stuff. Yeah. Um, but I've managed to get hold of those. So, you know, now it's dyes really that that. I'm having trouble getting hold of. Well, I think we probably could dedicate an entire episode to dyes and dye selection and other such yeah, things. Yeah, there's actually a bit in it, you know, talking to Andrew before mm. the show. So definitely there's, there's, you know, we think about that one, Rusty. Yeah, brilliant. So, look, I guess we, we may just cover off on some of this equipment type thing um, because it's interesting to – it is interesting. While I said, you know, there's probably not a huge amount of um, – directly relevant information it is interesting to see what guys are running and and, and was there any correlation between performance and equipment mm-hmm. um so and and this this stuff will make its way out onto the web i'm sure in, in the next couple of weeks as we tidy it up and make it look better than it does currently but we've highlighted what was the top five shooters from the individual side of things and then um then given data for the the overall crew so uh in terms of actions um we had a and i guess we're going to see this across most of this stuff we had a huge amount of a variation there but unsurprisingly the 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 common stuff is the tickers and the remingtons um to to see in terms of actions and and commonly a a factory rifle well yeah what i found interesting rusty was that uh there were more tickers at the shoot but there were more Remingtons in the top five. Yep. yep. Just an interesting point. There seems to be a bit of rivalry between the two, certainly in this country. Yeah, mm. so, so six Remingtons all up and half of them in the top five and eight tickers all up and one of them in the top five. And the, the other one uh, that's in the in the top five is the AI, which uh, took out the event in terms of the individual shooting. Uh, a couple of other things there is a Weatherby, HS Precision, Surgeon, Stiller, Seiko and Savage, a couple from Savage. Yeah, through to barrels. Um, interestingly enough, um, there of the eight um, of the eight tickers, there was eight, uh, six uh, ticker barrels, and of the six Remingtons, there was three Remington barrels. Um, and Kriegers actually were re- well represented in terms of aftermarket barrels. There was five of those, um, and from there, it's sort of ones or twos of everything else. Um, any ideas why the Krieger's perhaps well represented? I I get a suspicion that uh, there's probably, although they do take a long time to deliver, there's yep. good supply through the you know the state rifle associations with them. Um, sure, you know they're certainly a, a well-renowned barrel. Um, yeah, probably just the the fact that people can go down to their local state rifle association and order one, they don't have to look any further. Um, yeah, pretty mm. common. Very good. Look, looking at triggers, there was uh, eight tickers and eight ticker triggers, which is not surprising at all. There's very little aftermarket replacement for them. But um, of the Remingtons, of the six Remys, only one still had its initial trigger on there. There was a mixture of Timneys, Rifle Basics and Jewels. Um, Savage still had its Savage triggers on there. Um, and, and with some of the other factory options there, there was pretty standard. Greg, have you got the... Uh, oh, sorry, Andrew, do you want to mention something on that? No, it's just it's just interesting to see. I mean, Tikas. You know, most people that have have experienced the Tikas are they've generally got good triggers on them. Um, you know, True. they can be adjusted down quite nicely. Not to say all Remingtons aren't, but a lot of Remington triggers are 
leave a little bit to be desired. Yep. If you're trying to sort of get the nice lighter weight crisp trigger pull, so it's not surprising to see the those results to me anyway. Hmm. How are your your triggers, Tom? On your triggers? Well, I mean, look, I'm basically back of a Ute guy, so yep. you know, um, the finer points, I guess, will come to me in time. You know, sure. You know, so for me, because I'm left hander, tickers, <laughs> oh, they're, all, they're all laughing at me, guys. So, you know, <laughs> not even sure. Um, <laughs> you know why you have a trigger? Your triggers yeah. aren't left handed. Oh, they are. <laughs> you don't have to make excuses. But, um, but uh, anyway, for me, it's just Is makes that why more you sense. miss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's well, it's that's operator error. You know, let's face it. You know, you could give me, you could give me the 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 you know a surge in action and a man of stock and a U-boot barrel night force. I'll probably still miss anyway. You know, so. But uh, <laughs> oh, at least you're willing yeah. to admit you left yeah, That's right. That's right. But I mean, yeah, for me, all this finer stuff yep. is starting to make sense and fall into place for me. Awesome. So you know. Um, I guess just starting the journey yeah that's right you know because I've just been you know previously if it didn't fall over and bleed when I shot it I wasn't interested yeah which makes sense Mm. so so this has actually given me a bit of somewhere something to think as an alternative as well so so Mm. I guess the data is really interesting to me just to see who's using what yeah Um, and I've just sort of um Gone ahead and got myself an Atlas uh, bipod after looking at the PRS data from the states. So yeah, well so, we'll cover that. That's interesting. Yeah, that's an interesting yeah. one here as well. Uh, yeah. Greg, you've got cartridges and calibers in front of you. Do you want to talk through that? Yeah. So um, cartridges was led by uh, 300 Winmag um, hugely with with eight, and then uh, second to that was the good old 308 Win. Yep. So. Uh, yeah, the three hundred eights uh, definitely uh, still still in there. Everything else was pretty much well, ones and twos. Well, they were popular at least. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. So we we had a three three eight edge. We had a six point five super LR. We had a six and a half Creedmoor. We had a couple two sixty rems. One six by forty seven. One two four three and one two two three. So uh, yes. What what I thought was interesting was a mixture of of top five calibers. Yep. Oh, so cartridges, um, because there was no real consistency across all five. Uh, yeah. With the three three eight edge, three hundred Win Mag, three hundred eight six five Creedmoor, yeah. and two four three, just a standard two four three. Yeah, I think it'd, it'd be interesting to to take a poll of the the top five shooters' opinions on if they had the ideal rifle setup without all the time in the world to do it, what would mm. they do? I, I think you know, I was speaking to to Matt, you know, who, who took out the overall with the three hundred Win Mag. Yeah. He said, you know, that rifle configuration was was not ideal um yep. you know he, he would have he said a lighter smaller cartridge rifle would have been more ideal but okay. obviously he did well with it so and i know that nick uh well, nick, nick suggested perhaps his setup wasn't ideal for it either with the 338 edge in the single feeding um yeah and it, still perform well yeah i think uh george was pretty happy with his 6.5 creedmoor though he was uh pretty happy with his setup and his gun was probably appropriately sort of set up for it as well and that that cartridge sort of falls right into what you'd expect or what has been succeeding in you know competitions you know in the u.s predominantly so Mm. ballistically that's where i'd be expecting to see most of them but uh. yeah very good stocks was um stocks was a a, an interesting one, stocks and chassis were sort of a little bit all over the shop. Actually, I didn't cover calibers. Do you want me to cover yeah, calibers? Yeah, sure. Yep, yep. yep. Break down yeah, cartridges so, and caliber. Yep. So with the caliber, there was the, the one three three eight, and then there was fourteen thirty cal. 
So, you know, obviously across <laughs> the 300 win mag and 308. So, um, yeah, quite a few there. And then uh, we had four 6.5 mil yep. and two 6 mil and obviously the one 224, which was the 223. Now, I guess, you know, contrast that against the, the PRS where where it's predominantly six and six and a half. And it is all, now, but yeah, yeah, early on, if you recall, Greg, the the data was is not that way skewed at all. You know, it was mm. there was a thirty cows were definitely there, and then it it's it dropped just, away to nothing. Yeah, so, so yeah, so yeah, it's interesting. Interesting to see, yeah. yeah. So, Under the stocks, Andrew, if you want to. Yeah, just um, it is a bit all over the place, but uh, I guess the probably the most commonly represented with. In in overall wise, uh, Rusty with with three of each were Manners and Accuracy International, yeah, which was uh, an Accuracy International stocks. Uh, two of the top five shooters were using them, so obviously one of them was was on an Accuracy International rifle, and yep. and the other would have been on a, a you know an Accuracy International chassis. Hmm. Um, and then again, there's um, you know the rest of the top five. Interestingly, all the top five shooters were using aftermarket stocks. Uh, there was one Boyd's, one McMillan, one Manners, and uh, two Accurus International stocks in the top five. But there was a, a really broad spread over the whole comp. We had Weatherby, uh, you know, in a factory configuration, um, Savage, Remington. But that that Savage is one of the, the BA-110, so it's yeah. perhaps not what people would think of a Savage factory stock, although it is a, a factory stock. It's, it's, it's definitely more tailored towards this kind of yeah. shooting. yeah. Uh, there were two precision rifle product stocks there, which yep. is good to see there in Bulk Australia. Up and, a, and a custom built one. Yeah, yep. yep. So that was good to see local product there. Two HS Precisions. I, I believe one of those was a factory HS Precision rifle. It was. And the yep. other was an aftermarket stock. A couple of MDTs. Yeah, a couple of MDTs, a KRG, yep. um, a couple of Seikos. Now, one, one Seiko was on a TRG and one was actually on a, uh, a ticker. As well, an aftermarket sort of some some sort. I'm not sure that's a st- full story with it, but anyway, I you, have seen those conversions. You saw that? Yeah, yeah. So okay. There was a GRS um, Choate, however you pronounce it. Yep, I um, can't work it out. Yep. So, but interestingly, that the top five competitors all used aftermarket stocks. Yeah, yeah, which is probably no surprise because and and mm. if you looked at that that list, generally speaking, there's the Remington and the Weatherby which are factory standard stocks and everything else they, even if it is factory it's it's an upgraded factory stock yeah, it's not just a blow molded plastic yeah $5 stock yeah that's right so it's it interesting to see that there is a uh, there is certainly sort of a bit of love for that Simon have you got the feeding system list in front of you there yeah um, so we had um, one, one competitor with the single shot yep we've got I think it that's looks like th- three, three, yeah. three blokes running a floor plate, and then we had seventeen or so running the mag, yeah. mag feed. Yeah. That both sense, both five and tens, sort of mystery yep. five and tens. Yep. yep. Um, and the, amazing that the the single shot was in the top five. Yeah. Yeah. Like, again, I think that's you know being very familiar with the rifle, and yeah. he had his ammo mm. where he needed to have it. Yeah. So he wasn't. Clutching in his pocket, yeah, smooth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. As as I mentioned before, it was very cool under pressure as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, like the time pressure it played with some of the boys, but he just didn't he, care. He, just, no, he, just he was relaxed, just cool and, as a cucumber. Yeah, yeah. nice. Yeah, that was good to see. Uh, Biopods, I said before, surprised me a little bit. I would have thought you would have sort of had heaps of uh, Harris biopods, but there was more Atlas there than there was Harris, um, which 
I guess is a testament to to the Atlas bipods are very good at what they do. I think there's there's relatively good supply in in Australia at least at the moment. Well, you know they they are expensive and they're harder to get than a Harris, but there is you know several uh, companies that are importing them, so yeah, and, it and does help. I think that's probably what surprised me is the fact that sort of you know virtually double the price of a Harris. But mm. anyway, guys, the guys were happy to put money on that sort of gear, and there was a couple of LRA. Uh, bipods as well, um, which are, yeah, an in- interesting device. I saw one fall off on descent, though. Is the guy, uh, yeah, as he as he left prone and went up to the uh, the tree stand, the bipod went tumbling. Anyway. Probably due to sort of oh, how it was set up, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're good bipods. So. Yeah, no, no, nothing, no detriment to the bipod itself. Uh, on to rear bags, uh, if anyone's got that in front of you. Uh, Greg? Yeah, I got it. Uh, rear bags. Yeah, we had a few unknowns. Obviously, weren't declared at the beginning. Um, yeah. But we had a monopod. Um, so, yeah, that that was interesting to see the monopod come out. Yeah, um, I, saw, I saw that was Paul using that, and, yeah, and he was, used it really well. He yeah, obviously he used it well. With it. I know I've seen a lot of mixed mixed um, reactions to monos. Yeah. But, yeah, obviously, he uh, used it quite well. Mm. Uh, Low Viz. Um, it's a company out of Victoria. They're, I think it's out of Victoria anyway. Australian company. I'll go with that. And uh, it should be really good to chat with those guys because their gear is looking really good. Yeah, right. And it's all locally made. So yeah. I think, uh, anyway, we'll have to try and hook up with those guys to yeah. have a chat with them because yeah. it's impressive looking gear. That was Jared from Victoria. Oh, over. yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, I liked his setup. Yep. But, uh, yeah, I'll keep going. Uh, tab, oh, there was one low vis. And then we had Tab with two, one of those placing in the top five. Yep. Uh, we had Homemade. So, you know, obviously people got the sale machine out at some point. Uh, we had one of those in the top five, and then there was SAP, which was a large majority, actually, out at nine SAP brew bags. Probably because we had a few there for sale. Uh, yeah, few that guys. always helps. Yeah. Last-minute panic buy. <laughs> That's it. Yep. That, good stuff as well, short-action precision. Yep. Yep. We're gonna... yep. Well thought out yeah. designs. Oh, incredibly, yeah. Yep. yep. And then what's that last one? Why bad? Why we bad? Why we bad. bad? Yep. We bad. Two of those, one in the top five. So... Yeah, obviously the spread of placings and uh, yeah, fair uh, fair spread of different rear bags. Yeah, good good stuff. Mm. Yeah, no, the SAP gear is uh, certainly certainly quality stuff. Uh, so I guess moving on to the next category, we've got brass, um, which is uh, there's a there's a fair spread there to be honest. Uh, probably a little more than I was expecting. Yeah, me too. The yep. the top five wise, there was only. Well, there was one using Hornady, one using Nosler, one using Federal, one using Remington, one using Lapua. Um, there were more competitors using Lapua than anything else. There were six. Mm-hmm. Um, the next most was four using Federal. There were three unknowns that didn't specify what they were using. I think one guy wrote down anything and the other guy wrote down dirty. Okay, so... Um, <laughs> Very helpful. <laughs> So useful, but anyway, unknown. So. But, but I mean, there were, you know, we got Hornady, we got Unknown, RWS, Nosler, Cellier and Bellet, Federal, Winchester, Remington and Lapua. There's a fair spread there. Yeah, mm. yeah, um, no, nothing dominated by any stretch. No, not at all. And I, again, I think you, know, you you might find a, a slight change in those trends over following years. But um, you know, if guys are doing well with Hornady, they're they're going to stick with it, aren't they? It. They're not going to change Lapua just because it's. You, I, get, you get brass. a good load. You get I, a good load. I don't know off the top of my head, but I, I, I'd almost hazard a guess that the um the guy running Hornady Brass was probably the six 
8.5 Creedmoor. Yeah, I, uh, that's what I was thinking too. Yeah, because you haven't got too mm. many options with that. Certainly so. not here in this country anyway. No, um, yeah, top five finish, so that was that would probably be the 6.5 Creedmoor, I suspect. Yeah, I mean, yeah. As, purely as far as quality of brass goes, there are some of those ones which are, you know, way more consistently and that sort of thing. But I yep. think in this kind of shoot, it's that you're not being tested to that nth degree. It's more your ability to shoot rather oh, yeah. than that. Oh, yeah, mm. who knows? Mm. <laughs> there might be some coming up, yeah. Absolutely. Very good. And what do we got? Uh, I think Prodgy's uh, was next. Oh, actually, uh, one that I didn't put in there was, was powder. Um, 100% yeah, use yes. of ADI. Um, yep. no, nothing yep. else. So, no, And I guess that's probably relevant to the supply we have currently in this country mm. uh, of powder. Um, had we run this maybe a couple of years ago, Vitavore may have been sort of on the cards a bit more. Yeah. Um, but in the last sort of 18 months, if... Somewhere around there, that the Vitavore supply has uh, been then uh, sort of cut off. Um, that yeah, we we're not really seeing anything bar ADI. So I didn't I didn't put it in the results because um, yeah, unanimous. Yeah, just an interesting point of note for particularly mm. US listeners is that uh, a lot of the Hogden or Hodgson powders yep. in the US are are made by Australian Defence Industries and they're just mm. marketed under a different name in the US. So yep. I know that they're very popular there too for you know, temperature stability and that sort of thing. So mm. Yeah, yeah. so that, good for the US, US guys. But yeah, 100% take up of ADI. A mix of which powders they use, but perhaps that's really only relevant to, to the calibre selection as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, fairly vast, uh, vast selection there. Nothing surprising though. Uh, no one was running Trail Boss or anything. Uh, so under projectiles, um, this surprised me a little bit with the top five. We had um, uh, so in the top five was one Burger, one Sierra, two uh, Hornadies, and one Optimus, or otherwise known as Dyer or HPC. Um, and yeah, I was I was slightly surprised because I thought I thought Burger would have been dominating, yeah, but that's what I would have thought too. Yeah, yeah, but 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 not to be the case. And and look, ten. 10 people were running burgers, so certainly the majority of people were, um, mm. But and sort of followed by Sierra and then Hornady and, and the HPCs or the Optimus uh, next, and then Nosler um, sort of on the tail end of it. Mm. Um, not surprised with the mix of projectiles, but perhaps surprised with some of the results, but I guess that mm. it, we're not necessarily testing quite down to that extent yet. Yeah, yeah, well, it's, you know, as Andrew said, Previously, too, you know, this this comp was more on the ability to shoot rather than, you know, those small ballistic advantages. coefficient advantages on this particular one. But like you mm. say, m- maybe different next year. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Uh, primers as well, relatively quickly. Uh, federal led the pack with 15 uh, shooters using Federal and then sort of CCI and Cellier and Bellet and Winchester and Remington sort of taking up tail end. But, yeah, the, the Federal's significantly dominated that uh scopes um probably no big surprise there with the the top three being vortex bushnell night force um mm. and then sort of a, a splattering of march cows leopold and falcon one of each but yeah with those three dominant brands and and in the top five one vortex two bushnell two night force um which is not unsurprising and um there at all really with that that almost does follow the the prs sort of style uh, very closely. I would like to see some more cars there, but you know, guys will work that out as they go along. So follow be, your lead, you reckon? That's exactly right. Uh, interesting one was the 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 combination between mill and MOA, Greg. If you've got that in front of you, yeah. Um, so what we saw was uh, mill 
basically led the way with, oh, gee, what do you got there, Rusty? About 13? About 13, about yeah. About 13. And then MOA trailing in at about nine um, with with four of the top five using Mill and one of the top five using MOA. So, yeah, just, um, yeah, MOA, uh, Mill leading the way, really. Yeah, um, not, once again, not, not massively surprising, I guess, but yeah. I sort of... You know, the, the results have been, been a little bit mixed with what I would have thought because I would have mm. thought guys, once again, using what they would use uh, or what they have, a lot of guys come from MOA, particularly here. Um, but no, Mills certainly has been popular. What um, What is a little bit interesting to me, Russie, is the, the next category we're looking at is whether people are using first or second focal plane scopes. And uh, yep. out of the top five, four of them were using first focal plane. And, yep. and one of them was using second. And that's out of the top five and out of the competitors in general. I think we've got, uh, looks like, yeah, 13 were using first focal plane and nine were using second focal plane. So certainly the the majority of the successful, the more successful competitors were using first focal plane scopes. Yeah. And I, I'm aware of at least, well, the one that was using second focal plane, I believe. Oh, no, he didn't win it. No. No. No, no, he, no that uh, was He would have been it. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, with the three through eight again, he sort of yep. seemed to have buck all trends. He was the the one in the top five with the MOA yep. uh, as well, but just knows his gun. Yeah, yeah, which can't be substituted. Absolutely. Yeah, mm. yeah no, knows his stuff. So, anyway, that's uh, that's a little brief self indulgence of um, uh, of some of the equipment used and the trends that we we saw for the first time round. But yeah, you know, be be interesting once we have some more data over successive events um, that we'll be able to actually correlate that information and and hopefully some of the other guys who um who are running um uh, who are running the events around the country will keep some of that data as well because it'd be good to see sort of where the, the whole national trend ends up going uh, with that side of things. Now a couple of um if we've if we've done with the PRI, a couple of little announcements to make uh, as well. So um in August, uh end of August twenty eighth, um I'm intending to take uh some guys over to the Victorian Practical Rifle series over in uh, Castlemaine, um or Castlemaine as they would say. Um anyway, we've had that discussion on here. Uh so in Castlemaine, um whether we take a bus or a convoy, this is leaving from Adelaide. Uh mm. we'd leave on the Saturday, um and Jared over there is gonna take care of us on the um on the Saturday night. We'll stay on the range and, and then um uh, Sunday we'll do the shoot and then drive on back. So that's where a bus would be great because we could have someone drive us back. Um, mm-hmm. Guys get a little bit of sleeping on the way home if need be. Um, so anyone who's in Adelaide, and I haven't asked the guys sitting in front of me if any of them are keen to go. Greg's looking like he's keen to go. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm real keen. I yep. just make sure my rifle's done. That's about the only only caveat I've got, and I think it's going to be well and truly done by then. So yep. I'm keen to go on a trip. Yeah, and um, and I've just just checked my phone, and there's an email there from Jared. One of the things I was I was really hoping to do for the guys who are in SA is get Jared uh, from the Vic Practical Rifle Series over, uh, maybe a couple of weeks in advance for for a weekend, and actually spend some time going through positional shooting and and the various positions they use in that style of shooting. So, mm-hmm. if you're thinking about coming over on that weekend in August, actually coming out for a shoot with Southern Shooters, and spending some time actually not training for it per se, but actually developing your knowledge and, and widening your experience. And we'll have a bit, a few of the barricades and that from the PRI there to be able to um, give a bit of a crack and a bit of a run on mm. as well. 
which would be very, uh, yeah, very interesting. So that's uh, look, it's ages away. It's August, but if we don't start thinking about it now, we won't mm. we'll realize it's all too late. Uh, that would be good. The other thing that I wanted to announce is that um, the the guys from Precision Rifle Products have given us a bunch of their Load Right Master Kits to give away. Um, we've got a few other bits and pieces as well from Tactical Optics SA, some hats and some other uh, bits and pieces as well, scope tools from P- uh, PRP as well. Um, so I think what we're going to do, the, these kits, I should tell you about these kits first, so they, they allow you to do um, sort of on-site load development. So you get a, a pack of, um, I'll get this wrong, I think it's 100 tubes, and in those tubes you basically fill them up with like a you know, point. Two of a grain, 0.5 of a grain, and one grain, and, and then you can go to the range with all your cases with a base load, say 42 grains of powder, and then you can tweak them with these little supplement tubes as you're developing a load. So it's a mm. really convenient way to, to trick up a load. Yep. Um, and they come with caps for your brass, so you can put in your 40, you know, how many grains you're putting in and, and keep mm. it capped so it's not going to spill out. And um, so we've got i think five of these packs they're worth about a 70 or 80 bucks each um so we're going to give them out over the next uh, few episodes um what we want from uh, our listeners is uh, and this sorry guys this is only going to go to guys in australia um we can't quite afford the postage overseas but um for anyone in australia listening uh, we want your questions so if you've got questions or we really like the question, if it makes it to a podcast um, as a topic, then we will uh, hitch up with one of these packs and a few of the other accessory items as well. Mm. Um, so you can get on to us on Facebook. You can email us um, uh, through the website as well and get in touch, ask some questions, and we'll send out some uh, some freebies, which would be good. Anyone got anything else they wish to uh, announce or let, let us know of? No, nothing for me, Rusty. No. Oh, I think we've uh, kind of covered covered the, the bulk of it. Covered way too much? Yeah. yeah. Mm. Awesome. And uh, last thing is Greg and I will be at Shot Expo in uh, end of June. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll be there with STS Projectile Warehouse um, and just sort of hanging around and chatting away, which will be a good fun. So if you're going to be there, come and say good day. Yeah. Anyway, thanks, guys, for coming in and uh, talking PRI and, and various other things, and we'll look forward to talking about something real in a, in a couple of weeks. Cheers. See you later. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Precision Shooting Podcast. To continue the discussion, check out our Facebook page. And for more information, head to our website, www.precisionshootingpodcast.com.au. This episode was brought to you by Projectile Warehouse. Find your perfect projectile.